My guest this week is Waldo Waldman. He is the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Never Fly Solo. He's a retired lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force, where he served as a fighter pilot flying 65 combat missions and that great F-16. He also has a distinguished career managing high-performing sales professionals. He's an inductee in the Speaker Hall of Fame and candidly, just an all-around great guy. We'll discuss the greatest misconceptions about high performance and fear, the steps fighter pilots take to overcome fear and achieve their goals, the role of your wingman in business, and how top performers handle and manage feedback. You're going to learn a ton, and it's a great time with Waldo Waldman. Waldo Waldman, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Ian. Can you start by sharing something surprising about you that our audience may not know? Yes, I will. You know, many people know of me as the wingman, fighter pilot, combat decorated, and sales experience and all that. And I, I love being an entrepreneur, but most people don't know that I actually struggle with massive claustrophobia as a fighter pilot. And uh, it really, really created a new paradigm in my life for success for performance for what it means to uh, to break barriers and uh i don't know of any other claustrophobic fighter pilots out there and you know what i mean it's just the notion in my mind of claustrophobia and fighter pilot just seems like the only thing worse would be if you were a claustrophobic apollo astronaut yeah no kidding i guess that would be the only thing that would be worse but outside of that that's that's about it. So it's a it's a good segue to to the topic I really want you to cover, which is what's the greatest misconception that you see people have when it comes to fear and performance. And and it really relates to the fact that most of the peak performers, most of the folks out there who are doing great things, who are breaking their barriers, who are the highest in income, in relationships, biz dev, even even uh, uh, you know marriage for that matter. Lord knows there's enough marriage missiles out there. Uh, we're all dodging them, or most of us are. Is this fear? Is this concept that you have to be fearless? That the peak performers are fearless, that nothing stands in their way, that they're able to muscle their way through. And I think nothing could be further from the truth. It's the ability to take this fear, this missile, this anchor, so to speak, that threatens to paralyze your performance, acknowledge it, and still perform despite it. And the lesson in life in any peak performer is how do you Break through this fear, not let it control you, not let it hold you back or delay you from achieving the things that you want, be it in sales, in life, relationships, et cetera. And so that's really what drives me, what drives a lot of my programs, for, in particular for sales leaders, et cetera. So, so the notion of people have this great misconception that, oh, so-and-so is successful because they're fearless or this person is a great leader because they're fearless and – Fearless may be a bunch of BS. Is that where we're at? And, and you, you know, but you see, once you look at fearless, it, it's, it's, and many people who talk about fearless means acknowledging your fear and all that stuff. But as soon as you say fearless, it means that there is no alternative. It puts you in the corner, so to speak, because the word fearless means you have no fear. And, and it, it creates an expectation that can, it is not. Uh, based on reality. Uh, 
Yeah. So, and you know, I, I really think it's about courage, right? It's about focus and discipline and ultimate commitment because anybody who's truly committed, and this is what I talk about, you know, really about commitment. What does it take to commit? As a fighter pilot, uh, proverbially speaking, you know, in business and life and sales, you pick up the phone, you ask for the sale, you start your own business, you take on a job as a CEO when you're afraid, right? When you commit, you must go all out. That's where attitude meets action. And you've got to be able to have tools available to you through relationships, through your mindset, through all these other things that we could talk about to be able to say, when I see this missile coming, when the fear presents itself, when the quote unquote claustrophobia happens, I have a tool, a process, a technique that can allow me to drive through that and still perform in my jet uh, and ultimately hit the target. Yeah. And, and obviously, I mean, I think, I think what's the number 65 combat missions or something like right. that. It's not like in 35 when we're like, no, nah, it's too closed. You know, it's, it's not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I have to, I have to, you know, kind of share a little bit about the fact that I never knew I had claustrophobia. It happened uh, after I had a scuba diving incident. I'll give you the abbreviated version, but three years in my 11-year active duty flying career, uh, I went scuba diving for the first time. Long story short, I didn't prepare. I was using improper technique. I was totally struggling 30, 40 feet under the water. My mask malfunctions and I inhale a whole lungful of burning, stinging salt water. I'll never forget oh. the feeling of it, you know, entering my lungs. I felt like they were on fire. I was choking, freaking out, thought I was going to die. Panic attack like you'd never believe. I never had one before in my life. And I got out of the water and said, I'm never doing that again, right? And a few days later, I'm back in the cockpit flying a training mission, flying through terrible weather. Thunderstorms, lightning, clouds. I couldn't see the sun. I couldn't see the ground. I was socked in. We call it the soup. It's like flying through mushroom soup. You can't see anything. And essentially, I had the same panic attack that I had a few days prior. I thought something was wrong with my oxygen, but there was everything wrong with my head. Yeah. And uh, instead of being 35 feet under the water now, I'm 35,000 feet in the air. And I'm like, I got to get the heck out of this plane. I started freaking out. Same situation. It was like PTSD, right? Wow. And uh, it, was, it was significant. So for the next eight years of my 11-year flying career, almost 3,000 hours, and including you know seven, eight-hour night combat missions in an F-16, I had to deal with this, this doubt, this phobia that threatened – to paralyze me from doing what I loved more than anything else, which was flying jets. Wow. Right? And so one of the lessons that I'll share with you up front is that your passion has to be greater than the fear. You've got to love the thrill. You've got to love the fact that you could be shot at today, but you've got to love the experience of breaking through that and that thrill, that passion, that juice, that drive. That's going to help you strap in every day and still take the risk and move forward. You have to be in love with that thrill, the excitement, and uh, it has to be greater than the, the panic, the fear, the claustrophobia, whatever that latent issue is that may be running through your bloodstream, the yeah. love of the fight. Right, yeah, and I love that. I love that that notion that that phrase you gave of commitment. You know, committing me is where attitude meets action, and this notion of your passion has to be greater than the fear. Because if you're fearful of something, but the upside doesn't seem that great, and you're not that excited about it, 
then I guess the fear can take over. 100%. You, you hit a spot on now. You're, you're a parent, Ian? Do you oh, have yeah. children? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Now, I don't, are you afraid of heights? Um, I, you know, I hesitate. I, I guess the answer is to the same extent that everybody is, but, you know, I can be on a ski lift and not worry about it. Right. So so, so paradigm number two, I was also massively afraid of heights when I grew up. <laughs> okay. So claustrophobia. Are you sure you picked heights. the right career at the time? Yeah. No kidding, because there's an innate thing inside of me, Ian, and inst- inside of everybody listening to this podcast who truly believes they're a peak performer, who's truly making things happen. Because everyone, I guarantee, has got some issue, some latent skeleton in their closet, some phobia that potentially threatens them. Right. And so- so the fear of heights wasn't near as bad as my fear of claustrophobia. So I want you to imagine – now tell me about your kids. How um, old are they? They're yeah. 19 and 17. Okay. Now what are their names? Rachel and Isaac. Beautiful. Beautiful names. I remember when they were little kids, right? Two, three years old, four years old, maybe swimming in the pool. Yep. I want you to imagine yourself like off of a, a 40-foot – diving board, which is pretty darn high. You can sure. live and jump it. Now, if you're looking over the 40-foot diving wall with nothing dr- driving you, nothing saying you got to jump, like the normal person, you're probably not going to jump, right? Exactly. Right. Okay. I have no reason to jump. But if you're massively afraid of heights and you're on that diving board and you see your children, Isaac, Isaiah and Jake and Rachel. Uh, Isaac and Rachel, yeah. Isaac and Rachel. Yeah. Are you going to jump now to save them or no? Of course, yeah. And so, so this ties into the passion, which equates to love. It's got to be greater than the fear. Then you're not thinking about the fear. You're jumping. You're risking. You're stepping out of your comfort zone because on the opposite side of that fear is, is, is love. It's where life is. And you have to have something that's, that's, that you're passionate about and that you're willing to fight for. So that's just one analogy that any peak performer has and it has to do with 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 not you not what you are passionate about as much as many times as often who it is that you're passionate about what do you love who are you serving and this is the next level we could talk about this for for hours but i just want to move on to this it's now not just the love of the mission not just the love of strapping in and, and flying but what is greater than the fear and who you're serving? And when you, you are in service mindset, when you truly love your customer, the people that you're helping, you're so in love with that, that service and really crafting a difference for that person, then your fear no longer is prevalent. Now you're in mission mode. You're in service mode. And that's another step. Not the only step, but another step for you to take action. You got to tap in who's on the bottom of that diving board that you're fighting for. Yeah, it's it's interesting. One of, one of the things I talk a lot about is with people in sales, they need to be fully aware of the result or outcome they're trying to achieve with that client and what's important to the client. Because then you realize that look, if I know I can deliver that and I don't, then I'm letting them down. So it's not just that I didn't make the sale. I didn't help this client get to a better place because I, I didn't help them see that there was a better place to get to. And then it's not about the the fear of rejection. At this point, it becomes a matter of, hey, do you want to help these people or don't you? I mean, if you're not really committed to helping them, then why are you in this field? But if you're committed to helping them, then you know it's it's your job to make sure you do it right. You're darn tootin' right, and I love that you said that because it's the, the now it's the next level, and and all these things—the passion, the love of what you're doing, the focus on service, 
all these things are, are just one of the tools necessary. And oftentimes it comes together like a, a blitzkrieg of, of, of emotional and, uh, and passion and drive that will help you take the, take the fear away. But here's the deal. Why? Uh, let me ask you, why do you think it's important for them to do the job to serve their customers? Why? Well, be, I mean, it, it depends for each person. I mean, it's got to be something that internally motivates them. But ultimately, if they're if that's the if that's a business you're in, is serving the customer. Let's face it: if I sell them something and they don't get the results, then I've got no repeat business, no referral business, no trust, no relationship. If I deliver great results, you know, life becomes a whole lot easier for everybody. Right. Now, then they're also getting paid for the job, right? You're in sales or in any job as a leader, if their CEO is listening, right? You've got a, a, a responsibility to do the job. Yep. You see, I don't always believe that passion will always trump fear. I don't think it's always about the passion. You know, passion rules everything because I also think it has to do with a sense of responsibility. And I want you to imagine me walking on a flight line. Me and you are flying a two-ship formation and we're flying a seven-hour night mission in Serbia or Afghanistan or Iraq where I flew. And we know that there are missiles coming today. We know there are enemy targets, enemy aircraft in that area, surface-to-air missiles. Yesterday, one of our buddies got shot down. And guess what? You and me, Ian, were flying today. And you may not be very passionate about that mission. Would you agree? Well, I better be. Well, because <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cover you. You got you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right, right. And so the question that we're asking ourselves, and the question any peak performer, any true leader who is connected with the mission of serving their team, serving the customer, is the sense of asking themselves a question. And it's the same question that you were asking me and I'm asking you when we're walking on that flight line, going to the jet. And it's the same question our customers ask us, our children ask us, and anybody who depends on us, it's ultimately is, can I depend on you? Can I depend on you, Ian? When we're going after that, I know you're scared to death like me. We're both freaking out. But we have something on our chest called wings. And we have something on our uh, shoulders called rank. Yep. We went to the Air Force camp. We, were, we are officers. We are responsible for fighting the enemy today and it's going to suck and you've got to do your damn job because not only is it our mission but we have to depend on each other and as soon as you think of the other person that needs you your wingman your client your coworkers who are you know going through budget cuts and you know change new acquisitions and new competitor coming down the street as soon as you realize hey that wingman or wingman sitting next to me in the cubicle next door that client they are dependent on me. That sense of pride, that sense of responsibility will trump the fear, will trump your passion. Yep. And it'll say, I got to dig deep because this passion normally, you know, it's not always about fun and games. You know, flying jets is fun, but when you're in battle, guess what? Hey, the missiles are coming and you better dig deeper uh, into the sense of responsibility to really truly commit uh, despite all the missiles uh, mentally and physically. Building the right sales talent in your organization can be a challenge. I mean, how do you know which candidates are going to do well and which ones aren't, and even which questions to ask in the interview process to figure it out? Well, you don't have to struggle with it anymore. The people at Peak Sales Recruiting have come up with a free sales interview guide. And if you need help finding the right candidates, 
these guys are total rock stars at finding those right candidates and helping them understand why they'd be better off working for you than somebody else. To get their free guide and to learn more, visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. And, and in those senses where all of a sudden there's a crisis going on, there's a lot of stress, as a, as a fighter pilot, and for that matter in business, you're not winging it at that point. So what's the preparation that goes into that? Because I'm guessing the preparation is part of what helps settle the fear. You're 100% right. And you literally took the words out of my mouth because even when I speak, you know, we talk about commitment to excellence, the passion, the drive, overcoming your fear. But now it's commitment to the mission. And commitment to the mission is just like you said, Ian. It's about being prepared, about being mission ready, we call it in the fighter world, MR, mission ready. Are you mission ready? Let me tell you, somebody who's flown in combat, somebody who's trained salespeople, has been on sales calls and, and led teams – the biggest reason why people are afraid is because they didn't prepare. They didn't put in the time to contingency plan, to ask themselves, what if, you know, what if one of us gets shot at? What if we have an engine failure? What are the procedures? What are the process? Did we train for it? Are we confident? We prepare we, and we, we fight like we train. We fight in combat to the same way we train in intense conditions. So the preparation, studying the threat, gathering the latest intel, the intelligence on the threat. What are the potential contingencies? Who's on my team? What are my resources? You know, what's the timeline? What is, what's the environment that I'm flying? Is it nighttime, daytime, out, high altitude, low altitude, uh, mountainous terrain, etc.? What's the objective of the mission? What's the objectives? You know, what are we going after? Is, is it a bridge? Is it a target? Is it just to create a decoy? Is it to go and just, uh, uh, you know, uh, serve as a, a support for other bombing aircraft? We have to be maniacally focused on that planning, the preparation, and then briefing it up. So that everyone knows what's expected and we all have our rules and responsibilities uh, to accomplish the mission. So, so that sense of preparation, man, that trumps the fear big time. It won't mean you won't be afraid, but you'll be a lot more courageous. You'll be more confident. It allows you to, to breathe easy, so to speak. If an engine failure comes in combat or a missile comes or, uh, you know, you, you need to land because you have some type of emergency. So those things are critical. And if we look to our left and right, guess what, Ian? We're walking on that flight line. You've got my back. I've got yours. But if I knew that last night or this morning during the mission briefing and during the intelligence gathering session where we're in the, the locked room behind closed doors, the locked doors studying the threat, you're messing around slacking off, taking a nap, you're going to tick me off and I'm not going to feel like you're my wingman. Yeah. Right? So this sense of responsibility, preparing and putting in the hard work, you know, is so important. And I'll leave you with this quote when it comes to preparation. We have another saying, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in battle. I love that. The more you sweat, the less you bleed. So as you know, especially in the leadership and sales space that you're, you fly in and I fly in, hey, the ones who are preparing, the ones who are the nerds, the ones who are in the books studying the threats and the technologies and our competence in the planning and preparation, they're the ones that you got to look at and say, I, I want to be your wingman because you're going to have my back and uh, you're the one that's going to help me hit the target. You know, what? It's, it's an interesting thing with the in the sales organizations I work with, one of the things that I'm emphatic about is that – they find an hour a week 
to role play live situations with their clients. And there's a game that we developed called Same Side Improv. It gives them, it creates a different scenario each time. So each time the person playing the customer is going to play it a little bit differently because we have these cards that right. change their character and change their behavior to, to, sit, to suit the situation. And it's interesting because a lot of times people will say, oh, well, you know, I'm already really good at this. And I'll give the example. I say, okay, so you're already really good, which is why whoever's leading the NBA in free throws probably never practices, right? Like, oh, they practice more than anyone else. Okay. What about the first chair in the orchestra? Oh, all the time. What about fighter pots? Oh, well, they – and it's like, look, every other industry, every other profession – Practice is just a given. Like you have to practice, you have right. to rehearse, you have to you have to simulate what happens so that you can deal with those different situations. And it's interesting because in almost every keynote I give, I'll bring someone up on stage to role play. And usually an organizer, about half the organizers will say, Man, aren't you worried about that? And I and I always give the same answer. And and, and not knowing that you and I were gonna cover this, I always say, Well, if I was worried, then I wasn't prepared. Right. But I'm never worried because I've practiced this thousands of times. So I'm not going to be surprised because I've been doing this for so long. Right. Right. And that confidence is a byproduct of the time and sweat and preparation. The courage is a byproduct of the time, sweat, and preparation. And so doesn't mean you're not afraid because there's always going to be an, an issue, a contingency that pops up, right? There's always going to be something that you potentially, you know, you prepare for, you didn't have a checklist item, you didn't. And so now this is where, this is where sometimes you're going to need that, that wingman who has your back. This is where somebody who's going to help you, coach you, mentor you, who's going to be on your wing, who's got your back, who has different skill sets and, and, and has helped you contingency plan so that when you're out there, this is going to happen. Now, I don't know how it is with a speech, right? Um, because a lot of times you're up there flying solo. You, you, you know, your, your job is to be up there to, to be prepared. Sometimes you may not have that contingency, but in the fighter pilot world and business world in general, this is why we never fly solo. Yep. Right? Because – there's always going to be something that you may not be prepared for, an engine failure or a flame out or a gear problem that you potentially didn't prepare for. And now, if you're having an issue, a flame out, so to speak, you've got a wingman or a wingman who's got your back, who's backing you up, calling out your blind spots, you know, encouraging you, coaching you, mentoring you down onto that runway. Yep. And this also builds confidence as well. And this is the last piece, really, that truly creates a sense of uh, courage and, and despite the fact that you're fear. Because if I know that we have each other's back, if I know we're flying, you're checking my six, my blind spot, which is behind me. Sure. And I'm checking your six o'clock position. That's mutual support. That's collaboration. That's open communication because many times, a lot of times, especially for the leaders listening who are running, you know, working with their teams, having each other's back may mean telling your wingman something that they may not want to hear but need to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's, them, you know, when, right? we, when, when we role play situations, um, we call it improv. When we, when we do that, I always say to people, look, I always want to make sure that you start by at the end of each session sharing the things that you thought they did great. And I want you to share the one thing 
that you think maybe they should do differently next time because right. otherwise we're not learning anything. And guess what? It might be a subtle thing that the other person thinks about it, internalizes it, and discards it. But if you just said, oh, yeah, you were great, no one learned anything. If you say, well, you know, you said this one thing and then you paused and that made me feel like you weren't confident, at least the other person knows, oh, okay, so I should be conscious of that pause. Right. Right. Um, and so that that collaboration, that element of a of a wingman, is something that I think translates really well to business because too often, like top sales performers, often have this lone wolf mentality. Until all of a sudden, someone doesn't go right, then they say, "Well, where's the support person? And where's can my boss help me out?" And guess what? Those are your wingmen, I would guess. Right, right. Yeah, and then the commitment, the teamwork is only tested when the missiles come, when the fun stops, when the engine failure happens, right? Otherwise, you're like, yeah, I got this, right? Yeah. Who, who cares? And 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 so another another point that you're you you're touching on is is what we call the debrief. Yeah. And the debrief is what happens not before the mission, but after. You plan, you prepare, you brief the mission, you go out and fly, and then you come back and you go into a room, and now. The name tags come off because we don't want to let our, our personalities get in the way of growth. And our rank comes off because we don't want to have our ego or our experience That's get great. in the way of truth, right? Right. And so now it's an equal playing field and everybody's going to debrief. Now, the flight lead, the commander, the CEO, the sales VP, whoever's leading that mission, you know, setting the standards and stuff, he or she always starts the briefing. And what they do is we double check to see if we hit the mission objective, just like you mentioned before, Ian. Hey, do we hit our objective? What was the objective? Was it crisp? Was it clear? Was it achievable? Did we accomplish it? If yes, great. Let's talk about what we did. If we didn't, let's talk about what we messed up so we can learn obviously, and then apply it in our training. But the thing that happens that's special in the debrief is the first person to share his or her mistakes, their problems, to take off the mask, so to speak, is the flight lead, the one who was leading the mission, sharing if he or she messed up. What did they miss? You know, What were the things that they noticed? And what do you think this does to the rest of the the, the wingman in the squadron. Yeah, everyone everyone else feels like it's okay to share where your weaknesses are. Roger that. Right. And that's because that's where the learning is. And as a leader, the job of the leader ultimately is to get the wingman, the teammates, the coworkers, the partners, the vendors, whoever, to bring the problems to the leader. Yeah. Here's what we have. Here's what I think is messed up. Here's what a potential solution is. How could you help me? I've got to bring the leader the problems, and the leader's got to help him figure out how to solve them. And if you're a butthead, if your ego is way out there, if you're not listening to the to the missile calls to take action, uh, then you're not gonna you're not gonna be growing. So any great fighter pilot, any peak performers soliciting feedback all the time in the debrief, after the debrief. What do you got for me? Hey, Ian, come see me speak in December. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you didn't. Give me, bruise my damn ego. Yep. Bruise it and make me better. And humility is an important part of being a, a performer. Despite the claustrophobias, despite the fears, despite the fact that we're fighter pilots, humility is not lacking confidence. It's not weakness. Humility is just saying, hey, you know what? I can get better. And that, that continuous learning mindset, as you well know, Ian, because I know you're in this game, 
is, is about constantly growing, constantly building relationships, constantly humbling yourself, getting your butt shot down and being open to that feedback uh, that'll eventually lead to growth and innovation. Absolutely brilliant insight. Hey, Waldo, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do and 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 really just tap into more of your wisdom? So, so if you uh, go to yourwingman.com, yourwingman.com. And we'll have that on the show notes. Yep. Roger that. Yep. And then, and then also if you Google Waldo Waldman, I'm all over LinkedIn and Facebook, Waldo Waldman, uh, W-A-L-D-M-A-N. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and all that stuff. And there's also a program called ACE. Uh, if you go to yourwingman.com forward slash ACE, A-C-E, which yep. stands for accountability, commitment, and execution. There's a program there on uh, like if you, for like I think a hundred bucks a year, you get a weekly video from me and uh, just on mindset, on courage, on preparation and all the things that we talked about here and also health and fitness also on uh, on what you're doing for fun you know things that create a holistic approach towards personal development uh, and, and it's always a journey and I love talking about this space and uh, and uh, it, it just jazzes me up awesome well thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with our audience and uh, I just I, I took a ton of notes and as always I will recap these for our audience so thanks again for joining me you're a pro, Ian, and I learned a ton from you, and it's uh, been a pleasure flying on your wing. Awesome. Thanks, man. You got it. Waldo's got so much great information. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key takeaways I think you can use and apply to your success right away. First, fearless is not a reality. Rather, preparation is the key to overcoming fear. Your passion for helping must be greater than your fear of failure. The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in battle, and value the feedback you get, it's your key to improvement. And if you ever have a chance to see Waldo speak in person, jump at the opportunity. He's fantastic. If you want to hone your skills, check out Same Side Improv and the Same Side Selling Quadrant Journals at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, especially your customer.